we're going to put the message in the middle. We've got some more worship that we'll uh, have at the end. But it's great to see. It's been an amazing weekend across Faith Promise Global. It is such an exciting time to be a part of what God is doing. Uh, did y'all guys enjoy that video? Was that not amazing? Man, that was so cool. And that really is a heart of faith promise. One of our values is lost matter more to God. He said, leave the 99 and go back and uh, go after the one. This weekend is our grand opening of two new campuses, one in Anderson County, one in La Follette in Campbell County. And we're excited for those things to be online this weekend. Amen. Give the Lord praise for that. So let's pray for them. God, as those campuses meet this weekend, Father, we pray that they are packed with people that are pursuing you, seeking after your heart, seeking after your word. God, we pray that you will move the Anderson County campus. Pray for Sid and the leadership team there that you'll move for Roger and the team in Campbell County. God, Campbell County's been decimated by meth and drugs and child abuse and the demons and the devil have had it long enough. We're claiming it in Jesus' name. We're taking it. God, the captives are going to be freed. Isaiah 60 and 1 will be lived out, and Jesus will be Lord. Use us. Use that campus in a powerful way. God, all across Faith Promise this weekend, we ask you to move. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Well, it is exciting. God is in the house. Again, we're one church. We have a lot of rooms, seven campuses now. We're thrilled about how God is doing God said he inhabits the praises of his people, and we have praised him, and he inhabits that. But not only that, but this weekend, we are going after the heart of God. And one of the things that is clear in the scripture that is after God's heart, or God's heart is after, and that is people that are far from God. Would y'all agree with that? God's after the lost, and so he uses us to bring them. So, so this weekend, and really, we pray that our whole attitude of faith promise will be that. So this series called Co-Mission, out of the Great Commission, is straight from the heart of God, straight from the Word of God. This weekend, next weekend, the message is going to be really clearly focused at believers. Now, we know every weekend that a lot of people come that have not yet connected with Christ. They've not yet been born again, but they're kicking the tires. They're, they're thinking about the faith journey, and we're glad that you're here. And we always try to add things in for people who are thinking about the Lord. But the next two weekends are going to be pretty, pretty rifle barrel focused at the church. Then the third weekend, two weeks from now, is going to be purely gospel weekend. And so uh, are there any believers in the house? Are there any believers? All right. Okay. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you what the Bible says about you in Ephesians 2.10. We, Christ followers, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God before ordained that we should walk in them. Before you were born, God had a plan, God had a purpose. He knew that you were going to be saved. He's got ministry that he wants you to do. He's got people he wants to use you to connect with him. And so we are on a co-mission. Jesus in Matthew 28 gave us the great commission, and we're calling it co-mission because we are partnering with Jesus to build his church to win lost people. Verse 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore, or literally, as you are going. We believe that, that this verse is about missions. Listen, missions is too important to lead to missionaries only. We are all, every believer is a, on a co-mission with Christ. 
Go therefore as you are going and make disciples of all the nations, all the ethnicities. That's why, the, that's why every church in America ought to be red, yellow, black, and white. They are precious in his sight. Go reach the ethnicities. Go reach all the ethnos, the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. That's the theme for this uh, series called Commission. It is the last command that Christ levied out for us that we would be on a co-mission with him. So we're going to look, in my Bible, it's the next page, we're going to look at Mark's gospel, the second chapter, at a story that I absolutely love. This is an amazing story. It's one of the first passages I ever preached uh, as really a new believer and as a freshly called to the ministry. I love this passage because it so reveals God's heart. So are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Mark 2, verse 1, when he, Jesus, had come back to Capernaum several days afterwards, it was heard that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no longer uh, room even near the door. And he was speaking the word to them. Listen, whenever we meet corporately as a church or as small groups, we meet around the word of God. Amen? Jesus, they were meeting and he was around the word of God. The, the living word had become the written word and he was giving out the word. And they, this is who we're going to talk about. I got that circle in my Bible. They, we're going to talk about the they. The four dudes that are they. The they, small group. They came, bring to him a paralytic carried by four men. And being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him when they had dug an opening and let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus, seeing their face, said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were there reasoning in their hearts. Let me stop for a second. Well, you know what the scribes were and the Pharisees? They were critics. There's always been critics, haven't there? There has always been. Abraham had critics. Moses had critics. Elijah had critics. Jesus was flooded with critics. The early church fathers had critics. We have critics. I have critics. There are people that come to church here that believe you're a professional critic. God doesn't need a critic. Amen. He needs people that are going to complete, people that are going to contribute, people that are going to be a part of. Amen. Not sitting back, shooting holes. It's easy to be an armchair quarterback on Sunday afternoon, isn't it? I noticed today we've got a lot of orange, huh? Some of y'all didn't wear that last year. <laughs> For cotton picking shame. All right. Sorry. Let's get back to the, to the word. We gathered around the word. So the scribes, are, they're complaining and griping. And verse 8, immediately Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, Jesus knows who the critics are, said to them, why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or I say, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I just say to you, get up, pick up your pallet and go home. And he immediately he got up, picked up his pallet, went out of the sight of everyone so that they are all amazed. We're glorifying God, saying, we have never seen anything like this before. It's a great story, isn't it? Now, one of the things that I love about this, are you, if you're listening, say I am. Jesus was blown away by they, the four dudes, the four guys in the small group. He is blown away. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you want to, do, do you want to live a life that impresses the Lord? Do you, you want to make the Lord proud of you? So do I. Come on, we all want that. These guys impressed Jesus. How did they impress Jesus? By their faith. Now, as you read this, this is a bullet. This is, this, this, this story is almost in tweet form. It just snaps. 
Jesus is at home, Capernaum, the house is full. Four guys bring this dude to Jesus, can't get in, tear the roof off, drop it down, he heals him. Boom, boom, boom. Just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. But you and I also know that there are a lot more things that were going on than that. Would you agree with that? So I don't know about you, but I love some holy imagination. I love a little spiritual speculation. I read my Bible in 3D. I read my Bible in video. Matter of fact, I read it in high def. Some people read it in standard F, and some people read it in 1D. I love it. So as we think about this story, what was going on? Because we just got the facts. Now imagine the four guys are sitting there having breakfast at Starbucks. They're drinking their coffee. And one guy says, hey, boys, why don't we get Joe? I'm going to name him Joe because the Bible didn't give any names except Jesus. So, hey, why don't we take Joe to Jesus? I heard that he was at home. He's at Capernaum. And they said, man, are you smoking crack? Do you know how many people are around there? And so let me tell you what somebody did in that group. Are you ready? They began to make excuses why they couldn't get their buddy to Jesus. Now, don't we all have excuses? Excuse me. I hear you breathing. I know you're out there. Sure we do. And what most of us do is we never try. We make an excuse and we never make an effort. So if we got a good enough excuse, we don't think we need to make any effort. So these guys are making excuses why that they don't need to take Joe to Jesus. Well, Joe's too heavy. Joe's paralytic. He doesn't get much exercise. And so Joe sits there by the gate every day begging. And they say, well, he's too heavy. It'll be too hard. It's too long. Do you know the walk? It's just it's too difficult. We can't do that. Again, excuses. They just keep rolling on excuses. We, we can't do that. There's, there's no way we can get him to Jesus. They get him halfway there, and they said, hey, we prayed, and the crowd didn't move. So obviously, it's not God's will to get Joe to Jesus. Where do we get this absolutely asinine notion that if it's hard, God's not in it? Have you ever read the Bible? I don't know where people say, well, it's hard, so God's not in it. Listen, was life easy for Abraham? What about oh Moses? How about that cross? Was that a cakewalk? Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But if it's hard, well, obviously, God's not opened that door. They could have made excuses and gone on home, and Job would have died a paralytic. No, 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 no. They said, we're not taking excuses, but we don't have enough money. And what if we get Joe to Jesus, and he doesn't heal him anyway? Let's just put it in beef for a book and go back to Starbucks to get another latte. Let's go chill out. We don't need to be doing this. But somebody, this is what we got to do, Faith Promise. Listen, if you're listening, I am. Somebody changed the mindset of the four. Somebody stood up and said, no matter what it takes, no matter how hard it is, we're going to get Joe to Jesus. We're going to get him. It doesn't matter. We're going to get him there. And listen, don't you listen. We, listen, we can't. Because we don't. Not that we can't, but we can't because we don't. When Michelle and I moved to Jennings, Louisiana, obviously she had sinned and God banished us down to. <laughs> couldn't have been me, but. And so we, we go to Jennings. We're in a church plant, got 25 people, a dilapidated rackle shack building. The foyer was five feet by five feet. You open the door, there was a foyer, there's a hole in the middle, you're looking right in the men's bathroom, which was four feet by four feet. No urinal, one toilet, I don't even know if it was a sink. We didn't worry about germs back then, and they ate crawfish, they don't care about germs. And so, and so you know, we go in, there, we don't have any money, we don't have any staff, there's no way we're going to do anything. But this is what we did, we, we decided that we were going to our city, our friends, and our family to Jesus. It didn't matter what was going on, we were going to win 
our friends and family to the Lord. And 25 became 35, became 55, became 95, became 100. We moved, 100 became 150, it became 200. We moved again, 200 became 300, became 400, became 500, became 600. Our last Easter, we had 3,200 people. One third of the entire city was at Bethel Church for Easter right then. All we had was a bulldog determination that you grab a corner, I'll grab a corner, let's all grab a corner, and let's get Joe to Jesus. See, some of you are married to Joe. Some of you are related to Joe. Some of you work with Joe. Some of you go to school with Joe. Some of you've got Joe on your ball team, and you've got to pick up a corner and get Joe to Jesus. Is that the will of God? Is it? All right, let me give you four thoughts out of the they in this passage. Number one, embrace your limitations. Instead of saying, well, we can't, we don't have enough money, we don't have enough staff, we don't have enough this, we don't have enough that, just embrace your limitations. Instead of focusing on what you don't have, look and see what you do have. I've got a little bit of oil, I'm going to go make a cake, and me and my son are going to eat it, we're going to die. Let me tell you, take what's in your hand and give it to God, and watch, God, watch what God will do with what's in your hand. See, we, we, have got to, we have got to just go ahead and embrace our limitations. And listen, don't focus on, well, they won't come. If you're a salesman, let me tell you the number one rule of sales. Don't say no for a prospect. Are you with me? Well, you wouldn't, you know, we got a great Sunday. You wouldn't want to come, would you? Well, crap, no. If it's that bad, no, I don't want to come. Isn't that how we do? See, we, well, you, we, we focus. They're not going to come. They won't come. God has given you and me and us as a church everything we need to win our family and friends. We've got everything we need to make a difference right now. There's nothing left out. We've got, does that make sense? Y'all believe that? God's got all we need. Number two, are you ready? If you're listening, say I am. You got to be willing to fail. You got to be willing to fail. And most of us are too insecure to fail because we'll feel worse about ourselves than we already do. Because we've not, we've not believed what the Bible said about us. And so we believe what the devil of the world says. See, these four guys that are bringing Joe to Jesus didn't have a clue what Jesus would do, did they? Was there a guarantee? Did they get a guarantee? Well, if they get him to Jesus, there are no guarantees. You bring your friends in two weeks, there's no guarantee they'll be saved, but you'll get them into the presence of God. Let me tell you what the four did. The four did all they could do. They got him there. They couldn't get him in. They ripped the roof off and dropped him in there in front of Jesus. They've done all we could do. You get your friends here in two weekends. You bring them. You sit by them, and you just drop them in the presence of Jesus. Okay, God, here they are. Get them in Jesus' name. And the Bible says, and Jesus, seeing their faith. Jesus is moved by faith, isn't he? See, let me ask you a question. Do you have enough faith to believe God can save your family? That God can save your friends? I do. When I, got, when I was born again, there wasn't a believer. I mean, in my family, there's nobody look like a believer. And it was probably 10, 15 years later, my mom got saved. Then my two little brothers got saved. Then my aunt got saved. Then my two cousins got saved. Because I had the faith to believe God was going to use me to get my family and keep them from going to hell. Amen? Come on, somebody help me preach. So this is the deal. This is the deal. The fear of failure, church, stops us from ever starting. Well, I'm afraid if I fail, you're, you're going to fail. We're going to bring 1,000 people in two weekends. Not next weekend, that's for us. The third weekend from right now, two weeks. We're going to bring a th we have 1,000 visitors. I'm already praying for them. They're coming. You're going to bring them, and many of them are going to be saved. Amen? Not everyone, 
We're going to drop them right there in the presence of Jesus. See, the fear of failure stops us from ever taking a risk. And let me tell you what it does. Listen, a fear of failure causes us to live a life without faith. And Hebrews 11 says this, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because those that come to him must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So without faith, you can't, you can't do it. Failure is necessary. We're going to fail. But listen, when those four guys dropped Joe in front of Jesus, they were done, weren't they? They didn't know if they'd carry Joe back to Starbucks. They didn't know if they would run back to Starbucks. They didn't know what would happen, but they left it all right there at the feet of Jesus. See, the pathway to your potential is straight through your fear. You're not going to go around it. You're not going to wake up one day and say, I'm not afraid anymore. You've got to get right up in the face of fear and say, I'm going to invite my friends. I'm going to call my neighbors. I'm going to invite people. I'm going to get right up in the face of fear, and then the fear will go away. Does that make sense? But you've got to get all up in there. Now, when you want to talk about fear, when you start thinking about bringing your family and friends to Jesus, the devil will inflict all the fear on you that you'll receive. Because the devil, the last thing he wants you to do is get your friends and your family to Jesus. And so he's going to do everything. They'll hate you. They'll reject you. They'll laugh at you. You can't do that. You can't do that. And we'll walk by fear instead of facing fear right in the eyes, bringing our friends and watching our friends give their hearts to Jesus, just like we watched that little boy get saved on that video. And that is, that's what we're about. If you are never failing, then you're playing it too safe. Did y'all hear that? If you are never failing, then you are playing it too safe. Number three, are you ready? If you're ready, say, we're ready. ready. Number three, you got to increase your passion for the lost. Now, let me ask you a question. Look up here. Does Jesus want our hearts red hot for people that are far from him? You're sure about that? Okay, now this is the deal. This, I want you to get this because this is the most important thing I'm going to say the whole time. I want you to not miss this. There's a difference between wanting to and having to. If I was to have a, were to have a cup of coffee with you when this service is over, and I was to sit in our mission spot and look at you and say, listen, by Friday, I need $100,000. Could you bring that to me? And you would say what? Excuse me? This means yes, and this means no. It's not a trick question. If you say yes, I need to see you after the service. <laughs> what would most of us say? Could you bring me $100,000 by Friday? No. Let's change, this. Let's change the scenario. You meet with your doctor this afternoon for a cup of coffee, and your doctor looks at you and says, your wife or one of your kids has to have an emergency surgery this week. If they don't get it by Friday, they're going to die. No way around it. And the only way you're going to get that surgery is to bring me $100,000 cash. Can you get that money? Excuse me? Oh, really? Because you just said you couldn't. Didn't you just say you couldn't? But now you can. See, there's a difference between I want to and I have to. And faith promise, we have to win the lost. We have to win the lost. It changes the whole game when you have to win the lost. Amen? It makes a game changer. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16, Paul said, listen, I don't preach because I want to. I preach because I have to. He said, for I am under compulsion for woe is me if I don't preach, if I don't witness, if I don't bring people to Jesus. Man, to tell Paul to quit witnessing would be like telling the sun to quit shining. 
To tell Faith Promise to quit winning the loss ought to be like tell the sun to quit shining because we are going to, nothing's going to keep us from bringing Joe to Jesus. Are y'all with on that? Are we together on this? Are we going to do whatever it takes to win the loss? I need somebody to help me right here. Come on. <laughs> Nothing stopped they. They did it. And I'm going to tell you something. I would rather fail by faith than stay at home and never try. I'd rather step out of the game and fail by faith than, than never do anything. When we moved to Jennings, Louisiana, there was a guy in town. His name was Ricky Bro. And Ricky Bro was notorious. Ricky Bro was the guy that brought drugs into Jennings decades ago. He was a gangster. He was bad, mean as a striped snake. Man, we were having people saved. And, I mean, the church was growing. And I thought, God, what could you do that just rattled this whole town? And then the thought hit me, if I could win Ricky Bro to Jesus, man, it'd make a difference. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it'd just make a difference if, if this guy would go public for Christ. So I went to his house and knocked on his door. He came to the door, threw it open. What? I said, Ricky, my name's Chris Stevens. I'm here to tell you about Jesus. About who? I'm here to tell you about Jesus because, man, you need to be saved. And I've come. God, God sent me here to tell you about Jesus. I went in and witnessed to him, and he didn't get saved, and I left. A month later, I came back. A month later, I came back. About the fifth or sixth month, I knocked on his door and his mother answered because that's where gangsters live at their mothers. And so, <laughs> and so he opens, she said, you know, Pastor, Ricky's not here. I said, where is he? She said, well, he's at the bar at the end of the street. She said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to the bar. She said, you're a preacher. You can't go to the bar. I said, I have to go to the bar. So I go to the bar, walk in, walk right over the table where Ricky is. His eyes are big as half dollars. Preacher, what are you doing in here? I need to talk to you, bro. Get, let's get let's go outside. So me and Ricky walk outside, the whole bar follows us. Everybody. Why did the bar, what did the bar think was going to happen? About to hook them up here, Jack. Uh-huh, baby. R.I.P. and D.O.A., man. Thunder and lightning. Man, they thought so. They all follow us out. Man, they walk out. Ricky said, man, you guys go back in. It's just a preacher. And he came to church a few times, and I witnessed, and hey, guess what? As far as I know, Ricky never gave his heart to Jesus. But I, but I was desperate. I'd do anything. Going to a bar, it didn't matter. What if somebody saw you coming out? I'd tell them I went in and witnessed to Ricky. If they didn't believe it, too bad for them. Because I'm more concerned about winning lost people than what people think about me. Does that, does that make sense? So, man, we got we, we to we gotta gotta increase our passion. Come on, if you're going to praise him, give him some praise. So maybe one more, one more thought out of these four guys. If we're going to be like these four guys, then we need exponential innovation. We need to keep get doing it better and doing it different because if we're going to win people, nobody's winning. we got to do what nobody's doing. Did y'all catch that? If we're going to win the people, nobody winning. we got to do what nobody's doing. So desperation creates innovation. When we have to, not that we want to, it gives us innovation to reach more people like our Internet campus. Where did that come from? That came out of desperation to win people to Jesus. Desperation. Man, we've got to do whatever it takes. So this is what I think. This is what I'm going to talk to Kyle Gilbert, our communications pastor, about this week. We need to buy some Google AdWords for our Internet campus. Like naked women. I love a nervous laugh. <laughs> did he say naked women? I did. I said naked women. Three o'clock in the morning. Bubba's at his computer serving some porn. He pulls up Google, says, naked women. Boom, there's preaching the gospel. <laughs> Are you with me? 
You talk about a buzzkill. Does he know what that means? Does he know? <laughs> yeah, I know. Listen, if we're going to, we got to have some exponential innovation. Why do you think we went to multi-site? So last two weekends ago, we had 2,000 people at our other campuses. 2,000 people. This weekend, we'll give 14 gospel invitations in seven locations. And people are being saved at every campus. Why? Because we are desperate. We've got to. Not we have to. Not we want to. But we have got to. We have to win the loss. Does that make sense? And so, man, we're praying at every single campus. Man, people are saved, every single one. Listen, but I want to tell you something. There's a warning. Are you ready? If you're listening, say I am. When you're willing to do whatever it takes, the critics are all, will always find you. They will always find you. And the critics won't like it. The critics will be offended. Some of you are offended that I said naked women in church. I mean, I just can't believe he would do that. Listen, we've got to do whatever it takes to win lost people. Does that make sense? we got to get Joe to Jesus. The Pharisees were offended. The critics were offended. The religious people are always mad because the religious people make up rules. Like we can't do certain things. They're not God's rules. They're just their rules. It's the deal. And so they make up all these rules. And let me, you know, when I used to preach this, I didn't ever, Saturday morning I saw this. I was just reading this passage. And I thought whoever owned the house had to be chapped because they dug a hole in the roof. Dug a hole through manure because that's what they used. They, they had to dig through poop to get to Jesus. I'm not even going to preach on that. I'll make even more people mad. When he had come back to Capernaum several days after, it was heard that he was at home. I believe Jesus was at his house. And Jesus didn't care they tore the roof off. Because Jesus wants the roof torn off so that people can get to him. Does that make sense? See, if we're going to win people, nobody's winning. We've got to do what nobody's doing. It means we're going to have to break some rules. We've got to break some rules. In the 1700s, you know what Martin Luther did? Martin Luther translated a Bible in the language of the people and put it in people's hands. It was a mortal sin for people to own a Bible in, in, that, in that century. All the Bible was in Greek, Hebrew, and Latin, so nobody could read it. Only the priest could read it and tell the people what it said. Luther said, hey, man, let's put the Bible in the people's hands. And the great Protestant Reformation began. And you're saved because Martin Luther broke the rules. John Wesley wouldn't preach in churches, so he went out in fields and started preaching. They said, you can't preach in fields. you got to preach in a church house. And hundreds of thousands of people were saved because John Wesley broke the rules. Every great movement of God, somebody broke the rules of faith promise well, we're going to do whatever it takes we're going to break some religious rules not God's rules but we're going to break man's rules so that we can defeat hell and win our family and friends and get them to Jesus so in in two weekends we got a gospel weekend simple gospel simple worship simple gospel it is going to be pure listen who are you bringing in two weekends next weekend is about us the next weekend is pure gospel. Who are you bringing? I'm praying for a 1,000 people. Who's coming with you? God, I pray right now in the strong name of Jesus that you will take your iron stylus, the pen from heaven, and write in our hearts, people, that you want to be here in two weekends. God, I pray that you'll move, that we'll do whatever it takes. We'll buy them breakfast. We'll buy them lunch. We'll buy them dinner. We will bribe them. We'll do whatever it takes, holy God, to get them here, to hear the word of God. And we're going to drop them at your feet in Jesus. We believe. 
with all faith and all conviction that you're going to save people in two weekends. By power and glory, we're going to rejoice with the angels. So God, burden us, but pile drive us with a burden. Empower us with boldness that we might see people saved. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said. Give him praise. Come on, church. Now, I don't want to put a hitch in your worship muscle, but I'm about to make a radical 90-degree shift. Are you ready? Because I don't want to throw you off and get, get a kink because the sermon's over, okay? You ready? We're going to do something else. You can't do two things in a weekend. Just watch. Matter of fact, just hide and watch. Okay. Next weekend's for us. Two weekends is Gospel Weekend, right? How many weekends will the Gospel Weekend, when is it coming? Two. Next weekend, we begin the new series called Normal. What does a Christian family look like in the 21st century? That series will be was attached to what we call an alignment in our groups. That means that the topic that we cover on the weekend will be the same topic. Michelle and I have recorded part of the lesson for every single week. Uh, our Bible guys have, and gals have written all the lessons. We've produced a, a, a book for this series. We've never done anything like it before. And so we need, it, you will miss all that God wants to do. Like one of the messages is how to fight fair. Now, I know you and your spouse, if you're married, don't fight, but your friends do. And so, and so you need to be in a group, but a lot of you aren't in a group. So this is what we did for you because we love you. Here, listen, this is for you. Are you with me? Now, should all of us be in a group Bible study for discipleship accountability ministry? Should we? Should we? That's 12 of you. Should we? All right, so you don't, I don't have a place to go. So guess what we did? We traded 80 new groups across Faith Promise Global, and you say, but I don't know where they are. Okay, good, because I'm about to help you. They're in the satellite waiting on you right now. So we got plenty of time. We're going to worship. we got 10 more minutes. We're going to worship. And when we stand up at just a second of worship, if you're not in a group, I want you to get up and go out that door. We're checking IDs. If you're in a group, we're going to send you back in here for worship. <laughs> we're going to go right out those doors to the satellite. Just follow the crowd, and we will help you. We'll, we're still going to keep worshiping in here. And listen, listen, listen. If you haven't been in a group in a year, you're not in a group. They, can, they took your name off the roll six months ago. You don't have a group. Amen? You wouldn't go back to that group anyway because you'd be embarrassed. Is that right? That's, that's why you hadn't been yet, back yet. So we'll give you a new one. Go back, do whatever it takes. But we're going to worship. While we're worshiping, when we get up, you're going to go right out those doors. You're going to go right to the satellite, and there's going to be people there. There's bunt, And every group, I mean every campus, now is they're off the they're off video they're all they're all, everybody's live and so we want to help you find a group now listen 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 the devil will give you every excuse what the four guys do do they punt excuses the four guys punted so listen need you to go get a group try it get involved for prayer for accountability for ministry for Bible study amen come on Dylan come on praise team we're going to worship and as we stand up I want you to listen people will move come on out. So, right, wait, 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 I'm going to count three. We're going to get up, and you're going to go straight that way, right? Right? Do not make me come get you. <laughs> Amen? Let's, let's, listen, we're going to be together as a body. We've got to do it. So, I'm going to count three, get up, we're going to head that way, and the rest of us are going to worship our brains out because we serve a God that deserves worship. Amen? One, two, three, let's go. Let's stand and worship you guys. Head out that way. Come on. Do it, Dylan. <laughs>